to administer the oath to our first African-American, our first Asian-American, and our first woman vice president, Kamala Harris, it is my great privilege to welcome to the inaugural stage the first Latina to ever serve on the Supreme Court of the United States of America, Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Hey, everybody. It's, uh, it's your host of History X here, Russell Cobb. I'm recording this the day of the inauguration. That was yesterday. That's, that's some history right there. Uh, real, real history that everyone would acknowledge as history. Not the kind of stories we usually cover here on History X. We like to dig deep into the archives, uh, find the stories that have been covered up, repressed, or just simply forgotten, bring those stories to you. But I guess I just felt like I couldn't launch in today's episode without reflecting just a little bit on this occasion. I mean, last episode was pretty raw. We brought you a story about a coup in the American heartland a day after there was, I mean, yeah, a coup, an insurrection, um, an invasion of the U.S. Capitol. Things were pretty, pretty edgy. Um, I was feeling it. And today we have this inauguration of Joe Biden and the first woman, first black woman, first Asian American to become vice president. So it's pretty remarkable. Well, today on History X, we are not going to talk about inaugurations. We're actually going to take you on a journey to the birth of a new religious movement called Santa Muerte. And it's very likely that if you haven't heard of it, you at least know of it. It's shown up in popular culture, a lot of popular TV shows and films in the past few years, including Breaking Bad. But our guest, Dr. Kate Kingsbury at the University of Alberta, will tell us how wrong those representations are. They're not just simplified, dumbed-down versions of Santa Muerte. They seem to get the whole message wrong. And of course, I stumble a few times over the word cult. Um, I know that's a pretty vexed term. If you call something a cult, it kind of predetermines how you think about it. And uh, shout out to my old uh, program, Word Salad. We would have had a field day with that about how like certain words shape your attitude just by their very valence of the word but you're not listening to that you're listening to history x the show about what they didn't teach you in school on cjsr 88.5 fm a miskwichiwaskaigan edmonton treaty 6 territory alberta canada today santa muerte the birth of a new religious movement and its secret history in mexico Stay right there. My name is Dr. Kate Kingsbury. I'm adjunct professor at the University of Alberta. I obtained my degree at Oxford University in the UK, uh, focusing primarily on the anthropology of religion. Um, so why Santa Muerte? 
Well, initially, I actually did my field work in, in Africa, in Senegal, and, and I was very interested in the Murid movement, uh, which is a Sufi Islamic uh, order. And this was fascinating to me, but I realized that as a result of my gender being a woman, there were certain spaces that I could not go into that were exclusively male spaces. And that mm -hmm. frustrated me in some ways because I felt like, oh, there's all these secrets and mysteries and things I want to unravel and unpick and, and I can't. And that's fine because I can study in these other areas. But I felt, um, I just felt that there was a, a boundary there that I, I couldn't cross. And then I started teaching a course on the anthropology of religion at the University of Alberta. And I was very interested, as I always have been, in, in thanatology. So that would be the study of, of death, dying, and, and in particular, you know, the cosmologies. As humans, we're always trying to seek answers to that which we cannot explain. And of course, right. one of the biggest questions, probably the biggest question, is you know, what happens when we die, right? That all the major world religions deal with that. So I was doing this particular week on thanatology and, and the religious linkages there and, and how death has been explained, construed, understood, what kind of rituals you know, do people do to even deal with that grief, that stress of, of people, close beloved ones dying. Mm -hmm. So that's when I became interested in Santa Muerte and I came across the book and I started reading that. Um, and, and it was by um, a fellow called Andrew Chestnut. And I set a chapter for my class who responded very positive, positively to me uh, and to the work. And what I found very interesting was that that faith, that particular faith revolved around a female folk saint of death. And I'll explain to you in a bit who she is and what she stands for. Um, so I thought, well, that's very interesting that this is a, what we call a gynocentric, you know, female-centered religion. And I wondered already what implications that might have for female followers of the faith. Mm -hmm. And I sort of didn't really think anything more of it until, you know, the winters in Edmonton are absolutely ghastly, as everybody listening knows, until I decided to, to jet off for a cheap holiday. Uh, this was about four years ago, down to Mexico, where Santa Muerte originates and is from. And, you know, this is the fastest growing new religious movement in the Americas. There are devotees in Canada, in the US, across Latin America. But the hub of it all is Mexico, where there are about 7.5 million followers. Mm -hmm. uh, on a global level, there were probably around 10 to 12 million followers. Anyway, so I was down in Mexico and, you know, I'm an anthropologist by training. I can't just sit in a resort and, you know, sip on a pina colada, margarita, mm -hmm. you know, down there it was like tequila with whatever you wanted in it or mezcal, which is the local drink. That's not my MO. Mm -hmm. And so my spouse is fine with that, but I'm not. And I'm always eager to explore what's going on outside the confine. You know, what's the real Mexico if there is one? Um, so, of course, I organized you know, all these tours and things that we would attend. And, and I was very eager to find anything to do with Santa Muerte. And, you know, you could say I was interrogating people or, as my husband said, or you could say I was having pleasant conversations with people. Either way, I started talking to the hotel staff. 
people are quite open about their religiosity there. Um, you know, it's not like here where there's really that sort of public-private divide. People will, you know, sometimes openly wear uh, amulets with particular saints or even folk saints on them. So people are quite open. So I started talking to staff about Santa Muerte and also about the Virgin of Guadalupe, who is the other main religious figure. And I said, you know, are there any shrines in the region? Do people worship her? What do you think of her? And I started to get all this amazing information. And people started to tell me about this important chapel to Santa Muerte in the region. So I was, after I heard that, I was determined. I was like, I cannot stay in this hotel, you know, on the beach with all the other tourists with this cheesy techno playing, <laughs> you know, and, and a cocktail in my hand. It's just not my ever. So I organized a various tours, and one of them was a turtle tour where you go to this place where they, um, you know, have them, I think they collect the eggs and then they release the turtles into the sea and so on and so forth. And so we had a driver come and collect and set the hotel for this tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a guide as well, and he came. And I started talking to him about Santa Muerte, and he actually knew very little about her. And I said, look, I'm really interested in finding this chapel. And he said, well, let's do the turtle tour first, and then maybe I can help you. We can look into this. Because he was equally interested and was also thinking, well, maybe this is something I can tell tourists about. You know, maybe I could add this to the tour. Um, But I think he was just generally a a very lovely fellow and, and very interested in his own culture and he'd lived abroad for quite a number of years and sort of felt I think the impression was that he wanted to re-explore his own culture as well now he could come back and see what was going on mm-hmm. so anyway so we did this turtle tour with various other tourists in tow and it was you know it felt quite serendipitous I don't want to you know sound too um what would be the word looking for connections, looking for apathenia. Mm-hmm. But it felt quite serendipitous because, you know, the turtle is a very important symbol in indigenous mythology. And Santa Muerte has indigenous origins, as we can discuss. As we were driving around looking for the shrine, which was at that time on a small, small road, mm-hmm. but we couldn't locate it and it was sort of hidden away, I realised there was a lot of secrecy around Santa Muerte because... The guide would stop and ask people, and, and these conversations would be in hushed tones. Do you oh. know where the Santa Muerte chapel is? Hmm. And some people were sort of a little bit um, uncomfortable talking about it. Some were more comfortable, and I thought, well, what's all this about? This makes this even more intriguing to me that there are these, you know, shades of where it can be discussed, how it can be discussed. Anyway, the long and the short of it is that. It was really getting dark and all of a sudden we came across this beautiful chapel uh, full of effigies. And I have to say some of the tourists in the bus were quite frightened because Santa Muerte can be to the uninitiated and those who are not aware of what she stands for. I've been told she's creepy or that she's macabre. Mm. I've never seen her in this way. Now, I will tell you why, and and unfortunately, we're on a podcast, so I can't um, show you any imagery. But what does Santa Muerte look like? Well, she is, and who is she? She's a female folk saint of death. 
So she presents as a skeleton. She's got a skeletal head, you know, a skull for a head right. with these empty eye sockets, you know, the grimace of death, if you will. And she's dressed in a long robe. She's very much looks like a female Grim Reaper. So if you can imagine the Grim Reaper, she looks very much like the Grim Reaper, who in um, Europe, you know, in US, we often imagine as male. But in Mexico, it is a female Grim Repress. So she's got the skull for a face. She's wearing a long, long gown, which may be of different colors. She wields a scythe in one hand. And in the other hand, she holds either the globe to signify her dominion of death over the whole world, because we're all going to die. You know, no one can escape death. Or she holds the scales of justice. This chapel with various effigies of this skeletal folk saint and a lot of candles around her. So she was flickering in and out of the shadows. There were lots of offerings of flowers. Uh, of food and, and other such items. And, and I thought it was absolutely stunning. Um, and immediately the owner came out of the chapel mm -hmm. and she was very curious because, you know, obviously, actually, I don't think any uh, white people or tourists had ever come by to visit. Mm -hmm. So she was very intrigued, you know, what these people, what do they want? Usually it's Mexicans popping by and, and giving offerings, lighting candles, etc. So immediately we started talking and, um, you know, I've had some questions in the past, but as a white woman, how were you accepted? Blah, blah, blah. How can you work with this community? Um, but immediately I think she saw my curiosity and I told her I was an anthropologist and that I wanted to learn about Santa Muerte and could she please tell me the story of the chapel and, and why mm -hmm. she had established it? And, and she was just very open and very keen to tell me about her faith. Um, but I, what I found working with devotees and what I found that very first day that I met uh, this lady who was the owner of the chapel, who to begin with made me realize that misrepresentation is false because here was you know, a lady in her wisdom years Hmm. You know, 70 plus, who was the owner of this chapel? She's not a narco person peddling drugs or anything of that ilk. So what I found immediately talking to her and having become very inserted in this community is that devotees want researchers who will eradicate, expunge that false image, that false representation. And they're very keen to speak out about their faith. Hey, everybody. So we're going to take just a quick little break here. We're listening to the mighty, mighty CGSR 88.5 FM in Amiskwachewa Skygun. That's Edmonton, Treaty 6 Territory, Alberta, Canada. I'm your host, Russell Cobb. Today on History X, we are listening to Dr. Kate Kingsbury, a professor of anthropology, discuss Santa Muerte with co-host and assistant producer Sabrina Therani. We'll be right back, so stay right there. What's the origin story of Santa Muerte, as far as you know? It's, this is very contentious, and there are two main school of, schools of thought that disagree on her origins. 
Now, there's the school that I do not belong to um, of certain scholars who think that Santa Muerte is a modern folk saint mm -hmm. that ascribe her origins to the arrival of the Spanish upon colonization of Mexico, who brought with them the Grim Reaper. And they think that this is suddenly a modern thing that emerged. And there's various different accounts, but in the 90s or before that. And they really, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't ascribe to that theory at all. But they really see her as, as, as just another saint, if you will, in you know, the pantheon of, 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 of Catholic saints, but also folk saints. Because sometimes what they, we have to understand is a folk saint. And what does that mean? For your listeners, a folk saint is a saint created by the folk, not recognized by the Catholic Church. And, you know, there are tens and thousands of, of, of Catholic saints. But why do people like folk saints? Because, you know, if you're a Mexican, you might not necessarily relate to, say, you know, St. Paul, this European chap who lived thousands and thousands of years ago, you know, a couple of thousands of years ago, a couple of hundred years ago. It's nothing to do with your life you know, at all, but folk saints are generally spirits of the deceased of local Mexican or other Latin American people who often had a tragic death and, you know, died in these horrible circumstances. And then after their death, people started asking them for miracles and they supposedly came through. And because they are local and they're from um, that same culture, there's a sort of cultural propinquity, there's a cultural similarity where you can very much relate to someone. So I agree that she's a folk saint, but I think her origins are very antique. What I ascribe, ascribe to and what Andrew Chestnut and other scholars who are in the same school ascribe to is, you know, indigenous people didn't just give up the worship of death deities. You don't just radically change your faith overnight. When you are converted or a new faith is pushed upon you, you, know, you often keep your old, you often see that faith through your, your belief system that you already had in place. You don't just upload it directly like a file, right? You see it in light of what you already had believed in at that time. So I believe, as do others, but upon seeing the Grim Reaper, they didn't just see that as a symbol of death. You know, in Europe, the Grim Reaper is just a symbol of death and ultimately is a symbol that, that Jesus was triumphant over death, right, on the cross. What we believe is that indigenous people didn't see it that way. They're like, oh, here, wait, this looks like another death deity, right? Let's worship this death deity. And you can imagine as well that in, in the colony, there was an awful lot of death going on. People were being slaughtered left right and center you know this is a time of genocide you have to remember that you know 80 to 90 percent of indigenous people died during this time of, of you know violence of the germs that, that the spanish brought with them so death was everywhere so you know death must have seemed continued to seem like a very awesome and incredible power and why wouldn't you want to tap into that but in indigenous thought much like in buddhist thought life and death are in a cycle so death gives life. Death is actually a very fertile power on that. Now, the most infamous candle, which, of course, the press has hit on, and this is why Santa Muerte has been represented so badly, is the black candle. The black candle is for doing black magic. 
Not only, it's also there for protection, but you can do black magic with the black candle. So what does that mean? That means you can use the black candle and it says on it, the black candle, muerte a mis enemigos, death to my enemies. So you can wish death upon your enemies. You can hex your enemies. Uh, you can destroy your enemies supposedly using this black magic. And that's why narcos are said to worship Santa Muerte because they have a lot of enemies, whether it's rivals or the police. Um, and because she's non-judgmental, you can ask her for anything. So much as you can ask her, oh, look after my granny, she's not well. You can also ask her, you know, kill my enemy or get my shipment of methamphetamine across the border. And she might listen to you if you're a good devotee. Because as I said, she's seen as Lady Justice with the scales often in her hand. But justice is perspectival. It's whatever you think is justice. But the black candle has gotten a bad rap. Much as black Santa Muerte is said to be the most powerful, people also use her for protection. And in times right now of COVID, I've discovered that Santa Muerte devotees are asking La Niña Negra, as they call her, the black Santa Muerte, for protection against COVID-19. That's really interesting because uh, when I did a little YouTube survey, I got a lot of young women, um, mostly based in the States, and primarily women that were providing, you know, like before you start to worship Santa Muerte, here's what you need to do or here's what you need to look out for. So it's very interesting too that we can see that um, distinction being made online in like spaces that are more accessible to a wider variety of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There is one one thing that I noticed that you haven't said the word cult yet. And I hear I, that a lot. Oh, I hate the word cult. I mean, I think it's fine in Spanish because cultuar in Spanish means sort of, you know, to, to worship or to go to a service. Right, Russell, you're aware, right? You're, you're the language guy here. You tell us about cultuar, like cultuar. It has a different meaning in Spanish, right? It's it's totally it's 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 interesting, right? That uh, when I say in Spanish, if you say uh, you know ustedes ustedes uh, uh, ustedes culta, that's a really good thing. You want to be cult. It means like you're you're in the in the old sense that we'd say in English, cultured, right? That you're, yeah. um, and so those that's kind of even those those things are so slippery those terms because. Yeah, and then uh, uh, no one would bat an eye to say, you know, what is your what is your culto in 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 uh, in Spanish? Because it'd be like, well, you know, Protestant, evangelical, whatever, uh, Islam. These are all cultos, um, and no one would 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 complain about it. But um, but then the slippage into English cult, which obviously has the same etymo- uh, same etymology, has a totally different valence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, Sabrina and I uh, talk, touched on that just a little bit, um, and, and we decided to, to ask you about that. So what, 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 what does that mean to you? Like, yeah, it's, why, it's why, do you, why do you avoid it? I avoid it because I see it in the press as something very negative. It has, you know, much as we can look at the etymology and we're aware as academics that it's nothing bad, the way that it's used in the press and that it's used in mass media. You know, cults are always bad, illegitimate, dangerous religions, right? We would never talk mm. about the Catholic Church as a cult. 
that you would talk about Scientologists or that horrible movement, I think it was NXIVM or NXVIM, can't remember. Nexium, Nexium, yeah. Yeah, Nexium. Uh, you would talk about that as a cult. So a cult is something in, in, in English where people are being brainwashed, forced to do things against their will, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, all that kind of, of association. So I really try to avoid that because I think that by using that kind of terminology, and I've seen it and I've criticized other academics for doing that with Santa Muerte, I think by doing that, you're reinforcing this idea that it's exotic, that it's dangerous, right. that it's right. barbaric. So what would you call Santa Muerte? I would call it a new religious movement, or I would call it a form also of folk Catholicism. Etymology has a totally different valence. Mm. And, uh, and so, yeah, Sabrina and I uh, talk, touched on that just a little bit, um, and, and we decided... To, to ask you about that. So what, 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 what does that mean to you? Like, yeah, why, why do you, why do you avoid it? I avoid it because I see it in the press as something very negative. It has, you know, much as we can look at the etymology and we're aware as academics, that it's nothing bad, the way that it's used in the press and that it's used in the mass media, you know, cults are always bad, illegitimate, dangerous, religions, right? We would never talk mm. about the Catholic Church as a cult. But you would talk about Scientologists or that horrible movement, and it was NXIVM or NXVIM, can't remember. Nexium, Nexium, yeah. yeah. Nexium. Uh, you would talk about that as a cult. So a cult is something in, in, in English where people are being brainwashed, forced to do things against their will, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, all that kind of of association. So I really try to avoid that because I think that by using that kind of terminology, and I've seen it and I've criticized other academics for doing that with Santa Muerte, I think by doing that, you're reinforcing this idea that it's exotic, that it's dangerous, right. that it's right. barbaric. So what would you call Santa Muerte? I would call it a new religious movement, or I would call it a form also of folk Catholicism. Thank you so much for for contributing that. I think that that's mm -hmm. going to make for a fantastic show. And we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about Santa Muerte. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation, Russell and Sabrina. One other thing that I thought was quite interesting too is the accessibility of the worship of Santa Muerte. Uh, that itself seems also like an act of radical decolonization to me, given that it removes standard class barriers, um, standard language and literacy control barriers that are closely linked with lots of other religions, not just Catholicism. I could say that about many religions, that the most fundamental practices of its religion, of most religions, um, are protected and can only be accessed by certain types of people with certain educations and certain kinds of backgrounds. And that's entirely opposite of what Santa Muerte is for. I, I hate to say it, but my main exposure to Santa Muerte was through Breaking Bad. I loved Breaking Bad, but when you look at how it set up Santa Muerte in that show, it was essentially a, a, a kind of magical realist enabler for uh, narco-trafficking. I think I would be more okay with its representation as one version if it was just Breaking Bad, because I can I can see why um, 
she's been popularized as a saint for sinners, as they've called it online. Don't doubt that it's used quite um, heavily by criminals because of its inherent because of her inherent like lack of bias towards what it means to be a good person. Like you don't have to be a good person by traditional standards to pray to her. You've been listening to an interview with Dr. Kate Kingsbury of the University of Alberta in the Department of Anthropology. Kate has been researching Santa Muerte, a new religious movement that arose in Mexico and has now become kind of, well, I guess trendy. I mean, when you got lots of YouTubers, when you got millions of people on YouTube following you, I think you qualify as trendy. It's been a real honor to have Kate on today's show and special thanks to Sabrina for making this this interview and this whole episode happen. That's assistant producer Sabrina Thirani. I am a host, Russell Cobb, also producer of the show. If you want to find us and get in touch, you can just go to Facebook and in that little search box, you type up History X, you'll find us. You can tweet at me, Russell S. Cobb. That's two S's, two L's, two B's. And you can find us on History Pod on Instagram. It's been a historic day. It's been quite a roller coaster the past few weeks. Uh, last time we covered, if you check out the archives, you can hear our show about an American coup. And then we, gosh, then we witnessed an American coup. And how crazy was that? But here we are. It is 2021. And we would love to hear from you. And we love to bring you stories about forgotten repressed, suppressed, truly weird stories from the history books that you won't find elsewhere. And until next time in two weeks, we will see you. So take care. Be well. Bye.